Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is the 378th episode of Creative Control with Vish Khanna, featuring a long-night panel discussion about the state of Canadian hip-hop, recorded live at the Gladstone Hotel in Toronto. Coming to you live from the Gladstone Hotel in Toronto, Canada, it's Long Night with Vish Khanna. On tonight's show, it's the state of Canadian hip-hop featuring... Artists, journalists, and industry folks, the bicycles are your house band. My name is James Keast. Please welcome your host, the handsomest man in podcasting, in or out of a suit, Vishal Khanna. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Yes, we're here at the Gladstone Hotel, back at the Gladstone. Thank you very much for being here, and I'd like to say right at the top, you guys seem like a hot crowd. You seem like a hot, nice, quiet, <laughs> chillingly quiet crowd. It's nice to have you here. And uh, yes, as James mentioned, uh, we're going to be discussing the history and state of Canadian hip-hop culture and, uh, and Toronto as well. And we have some wonderful people on stage. And without further ado, I'm going to ask each of them now to introduce themselves, talk a little bit about how they first engaged with hip-hop culture and sort of what they do now and... Because he's my sidekick and your announcer, I'm going to start with James Keast. James Keast, what's going uh, on, buddy? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Nice to have you Hope back. Hope I can help the team. So, James, uh, yes, can you talk a little bit about what you do? Who are you? Uh, I'm the uh, editor-in-chief uh, currently of Exclaim Magazine and Exclaim.ca. You said currently I, as though your job might be in peril. How long have you been the editor-in-chief of Exclaim? 22 years. 22 years. I think you're fine. You're going to be fine. I hope. Well, you know, it's yeah, a print so. magazine about the music industry. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's fine. It, Wait, is that fine. what it is? I, I take it back. You're not going to be fine. <laughs> Can you talk a, a little bit about your, your first engagement with hip-hop culture? Do you remember? Uh, I, I, well, when you mentioned it, I can't say growing up in Belleville in the 80s that I was, uh, I, I won't claim to be an early adopter. Uh, and I'm sure my first exposure was probably like news stories and things like that. But when you asked like, what was your first, like what, what first really impacted me? Uh, I have to say it was uh, one hit wonder cameos word up 
which was, uh, I think, in 1985 single. If people aren't familiar with it, this was also at the sort of early time for much music. And uh, the video for me as a 15-year-old kid in Belvo was kind of terrifying. Uh, it was a very large man dressed all in black with a cherry red cod piece. And uh, it was a huge hit. The video played constantly. And I remember being, uh, I, I remember not liking it and then not being able to stop watching it and then wondering what the hell this was. And, and uh, you know, as, as I became a bigger music fan, you know, I, I exposed myself to the wide variety of hip hop. But the first thing that I remember that's like burned into my brain was that cameo video. Okay, probably fair enough. Fair One enough. hit wonder to me. Now, when you exposed yourself, were you wearing a cherry red cod piece? I do regularly now, and that's okay. Cameo's that's influence, good. for right. sure. Thank you, James Keast, everyone. Thank you, James, for being here. All right, we'll move down the couch. Sir? Yeah, check it out. This is your homeboy, DTS, and I represent hip-hop since, I think, 79? 79? Yeah. What? That's amazing. You know what? I was watching 60 Minute with my, with my grandfather. Right? And there was Andy this Rooney exposed you to hip hop? Is that what happened? <laughs> no. You know what it is? It was actually about the arguments and the yeah. fighting in New York, the gangs and stuff like that. So 60 Minute did a piece on it and how they were breaking down barriers and using music as a tool for that. So we, I first seen Sugar Hill Gang at that time, and that was like around 79 or stuff like that. But for the younger cats, hip-hop was just coming in. Rap was coming in. Uh, you talk about Cameo. Cameo was cutting edge on the R&B scene. And also Rick James, what lived in Toronto, couldn't break out in Toronto, but at the same time, he went to Buffalo. And you know, everybody know Rick James, bitch, right? So That's as far as hip-hop is concerned, that was just my start of it. So the first artist you probably saw was Sugar Hill Gang on 60 Minutes? Yeah. Wow. And did they show anyone else? No, because there was really... There was no one else? That really? was the really yeah. cutting edge right there. That was the only rap track that was going worldwide at that time. Right. And James mentioned he's, uh, he was living in Belleville, which is a... So I guess it's a suburb of Toronto for those listening. It is not a suburb of Toronto in any way. <laughs> I don't know. I it's remember two hours away from two here. Hour, it's a two-hour suburb, two hours away. What? How would you? It's it's east of Toronto and it's a little town. Yes, right, it's yeah. a little town. DTS, it is not a where suburb. were you? Actually, I was in Jamestown. Jamestown is in Rexdale, right? And also Jane and Finch. So that was just straight what was bumping in the hood, and you get it via like mixtapes and stuff like that, people coming in from the city. That's how we were hearing our music. There was no black music whatsoever on radio, period, yeah. unless it's Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston. Right. All right. All right. Thank you. DTS. I have a hand for DTS. Dave, thank you. You, sir. Uh, my name is Jelani, a.k.a. JYs. I'm a writer. I'm an MC. Done lots of stuff, hip-hop related. First time I probably took in hip-hop, I was thinking, I think it was like probably 83. Um, I was probably in kindergarten, and we had a kid in our class named Lloyd, and we used to call him Lottie Dottie because of the song Lottie Dottie Slick Rick and, um, oh, and wow. Dougie Fresh. So, yeah, that was, it, that was probably the... In kindergarten? Yeah, that was probably around the first time. Mm. And I didn't know it was hip-hop at the time. It was just a song, you know what I mean, that 
We liked it. We had a kid in our class named Lloyd, and we did called him Lottie Dottie. Did they play Slick Rick during story time in kindergarten? <laughs> nah, not at all. It, I was, I, you know, I grew up in the Caribbean. It was a Christian school, and um, they didn't play any form of secular music. Oh, okay. At story time in, in the school I went to. So where did you hear Slick Rick? Um, you know, the sarong. Somebody played it somewhere. It's probably somebody's car or somebody's house. You know, when you're small, those things are just kind of in the atmosphere. Yeah. You don't really pinpoint like you know i heard it here i was five you know what i mean so sure. yeah it was, it was around it was a song that was around people were playing it we talked about it um i probably heard it the funny thing is i probably heard people rap it to me before i actually heard the record right you know what i mean so yeah kind of the oral like people just rapped i i do it all the time now like you just you just rap songs and yeah you know you had that line you know that you know lottie dottie yeah. we love to party you know that was the line so <laughs> that i probably knew that line before i knew the whole song and yeah you know you you know when you're a kid, when somebody knows something and it's cool, then you act like you know it too. So <laughs> <laughs> you kind of flow with it. Well, there's some music critics on here. We're, we're used to doing that. We do that all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, you say you're an MC and a writer. What kind of writing do you do? Um, all kind of writing, but uh, I write. I wrote a novel called Where Eagles Crawl and Men Fly, since you, you brought it up. <laughs> Feel free to plug whatever you like. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it, homie. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Uh, I'm aware of what's going on. Yeah. It's, um, you know, sci-fi kind of fantasy fiction novel. Okay. And uh, yeah. And is that is was the writing of the novel an extension of anything you'd rapped about or just a totally separate interest? Some of it, yeah, I mean, in the in the process of writing a novel, it's such a long piece, you know, that um you so much of your life gets wrapped up in it, you know. Yeah. So and all art is an extension of of what you do, so. Yeah. You know, writing, rhyming, you know, drawing a picture, it's all it all is an extension over. of your life. And how long are you in Toronto now? Yeah, yeah, I've been in Toronto since 1989. 1989, that's great. Yeah. Welcome, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even live here. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Jay Wise, how about a hand of your Jay Wise there? <laughs> we move on to the other couch. Can we start with you? Sure. Go ahead. Um, my name is Tia Gordon. Uh, I work at Factor. I'm the outreach assistant slash office coordinator. Um, so you got <laughs> someone in the clerical pool cheering you on there. That's thank, you, your, thank you. Yeah, some other factor people gang, in the gang. house? Yes, factor. Shout out. Yeah, factor <laughs> in the house. Um, my first introduction to hip hop, like I didn't start um, exploring hip hop on my own until I was in like eighth grade. Um, but growing Which up. Which is like 2008? 2008. Was it really? Yes. Was it actually? <laughs> yes. I was just guessing. Really? Yes. Okay, wow. Yeah. Um, 2008. I guess wow. I'm a baby or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but growing up, I think my mom introduced me to hip hop, if anything. Like, I remember her playing, like, Digital Underground, Sugar Hill Gang, like, all of that in the house. We grew up, like, roller skating. They take us to scooters, like, every weekend. And that's what we would do. And that's how I, I learned about music. Um, I oh, because they, the, they play music while you're doing the roller yeah. skating. Right, right, right. And yeah. then eventually my mom, like, harassed one of the DJs, like, burn me all your mixes. So we have all like a thick stack of CDs at her house, and it's just like <laughs> all this old school um, that I came up on. But uh, burn me all your mixes is a very 2008 thing to say, <laughs> by the way. For real, but you know we still have those, and and my sister and I will go and rip them onto our um, our own laptops now. But I think like when I started actually actively listening to hip hop or rap on my own, I started with Lil Wayne. So it's like a really huge gap. Oh, okay. Um, between all the music, yeah. Okay. 
I that's great. That's amazing. I didn't really talk about myself in in this exercise. And I realized I skipped me <laughs> because I just think this is interesting. We were hearing about like 60 <laughs> minutes and you know people just rapping in the street and mm -hmm. like for me it was TV. It was much music mm -hmm. and seeing uh, and hearing the Beastie Boys when mm -hmm. I in like the '83, mm -hmm. which is 15 years before you were in grade eight. <laughs> and then uh, also uh, I also did a rap in school. I remember today. I my I won a poetry contest by writing a rap about the wind in grade six. Do you remember it and uh, can you share it with us now? Do you want to hear it? <laughs> this is a lot of pressure. If there's wind, please bring the cloud with it. Okay. All right, I'll try to do it. If I screw it up, I haven't done this since grade six. No pressure. I, okay, uh, it's based on a true story. All right, <clears throat> this let's is very get it. embarrassing already. Do we need a beat? Yes, if I can have a, no, no, it's just screw me up. <laughs> I didn't have a beat in grade six. Every, so all the other kids went up and they said their poems, you know? Yeah, but this is a re-release, so. <laughs> Give me a beat. Can I, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, no, forget it. I'll just do it. It'll screw it up, because I don't know if I can even do this. All right, it's about, okay, ready, here we go. You got it, 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 you got it. A couple it, of years it. ago when I was four, I had an uplift experience with a door. It was really windy this night and nights. 50 mile per hour wind, it's out of sight. My dad had to go to the mall in his car. I said, Dad, it's so windy, must you go this far? He said, I have to go shopping, son, it won't take too long. I said, Dad, please hurry before something goes wrong. It was getting really dark, it was getting late. Couldn't wait another second, I couldn't wait. Jumped out of bed and headed for the door. Too bad for me, I didn't know what I was in for. Door flung open, I flew outside. I knew I was in trouble, I almost cried. It took me a while, finally got it closed. And from this day on, I never touched that door. Not. I feel like you were actually like super ready for that. I was not. <laughs> I was not. I forgot to practice. I knew I was going to say it, but I forgot to practice it. I kind of, I fucked it up. You heard it. I fucked it up. But you, that, thank you. Thank you very much. Grade six poetry contest, Manchester Public School. I won. Uh, 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 gang, My gang. teacher was so excited he submitted to a magazine, and I didn't win. I didn't win the magazine. Didn't have the same power. But anyway, yeah, so much music and, uh, you know, some radio, but not much. You know, I didn't, did you listen to music on the, you would have had radio, you would have had hip hop on the radio. I had Flow 93.5 when they were playing rap music, yes. Yes, right. Um, and that like introduced me to like Lupe or, or like old Drake music. Old Drake. Yeah, old Drake music. <laughs> old man Drake. Old, old Drake music. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also f between like my birth and eighth grade, I was more. <laughs> I was it's mostly a rap song waiting to happen right there. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I was mostly listening to pop music. Like Hillary Duff was my idol. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> don't know Lizzie McGuire. Um, so, like the transition. Like I feel like I'm still in this like weird transitioning period where, where I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, but. Cool. Like hip hop is everything. All right, Tia. How about a hand for Tia? <laughs> Thank you, Tia. I'm a little winded from the <laughs> rapping. Anyway, it'll be fine. Go ahead. I don't even know how to follow that up. I'm way boring compared to like this, these two. Um, but my name is Aaron. I'm the hip hop editor at Exclaim. So James is my boss, which is Collusion. great. Collusion. Collusion um, somehow, no, it's fine. <laughs> and I'm also working on a hip hop documentary called uh, Hip Hop Evolution, which we just won an Emmy for the first season, which is massive. Shad's the host. So. There's some more things coming, which is great. So wait, when you say the show won an Emmy, did you win an Emmy? Technically, I came in post-production on, on the first season, 
So technically, no, but You're I'm the runner still up for an Emmy on your own show. Right. I held it, though. It's in the office. I held it. So it's fine. Amazing. Right. This is all that matters. Congratulations. Um, my first introductions with hip hop. My parents immigrated from South Africa, so hip hop wasn't really a thing to them. Um, so it was more like Whitney and, you know, Mariah and all the, the R&B people first. I think the first time I really realized it existed was by way of TLC through Left Eye, which, you know, Left Eye doesn't get enough credit for what she really did back in those days. Now, what, what was it that she really did, though? Can you elaborate upon that for people who don't remember Left Eye? She was the, the fire. She was <laughs> everything. She did everything. She did everything. Okay. She, right. she was with the one rapper. Eye. With <laughs> it's pretty amazing. She definitely had both eyes. She had both eyes? She definitely had. I thought it was left eye She just eye had the, eyes. you know, just the little patch. Oh, it was just a patch? Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I can't remember everything. I'm old. It's, it's Please. fine. Yes. <laughs> That's Betty Wong. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then I kind of just, I, I learned about Tupac, and from there I kind of steamrolled, got my nose pierced because of Tupac many years later. Um, and then in university, when I was like studying and doing whatever with my degrees, most of my thesis papers were based in hip hop, which means I was always on the fifth floor of York University, which has a massive hip hop section. Um, I don't know if they still do. I'd hope they would. Uh, but I kind of backtracked to like, the 70s and the 60s and what influenced it from James Brown to like, you know, how everything started in the politics. Um, and that's kind of how I got first and everything. Nice. I, uh, I did a thesis, an undergrad thesis on the pervasiveness, pervasiveness of hip hop culture in the year 2000, I think. And it was part of the English program. What program was your were your hip hop theses uh, in? It was um, a mix between the communications line and a fine arts cultural studies. It's fascinating, isn't it? Like yeah. not quite. I, no one knew what to do with the, the hip hop thesis. They had at no the time. idea what to do. They were like, "What is this?" Like but everybody I, else is writing about like fine art. <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, but, "That's smart." Right. It is, and I think that at the time, what my argument was that it was so pervasive that, you know, I was in a language program, but I thought hip-hop, I think we can all admit we talk like hip-hop, right? I mean, we, I've said this before, but we, and it ends up infiltrating how we speak in very subtle ways. We just start talking like hip-hop. We don't even know it, you know, a little slang here and there. And I don't think that's, am I wrong? Has that stopped? No, I think we, especially in Toronto, we have our own little dialect, specifically from the West Indies, though, yes. that's kind of cratered into all of our hip-hop everywhere. Right. So. Well, anyway, Aaron, it was nice meeting you, and uh, that's, our, that's our time. No, I'm just kidding. How about a hand for Aaron? That wasn't uh, a slight on you. I just realized these intros are taking... The intros are interesting. I'm, I'm learning a lot about you, and we don't know each other, so this is kind of fun for me. And uh, what did you think of my rap, Aaron? Was it good? <laughs> Tia just grabbed the mic away. I think that was deserved. Okay, let's move on to the end of the couch, last but not least. What's up, yo? I'm Just John. Um, I'm a rapper and music and art curator. Um, yeah, and I guess my first introduction, um, I'm, a, I'm a rapper and music art curator at Blank Canvas Gallery, so I just want to shout out Blank Canvas with one time. Um, I guess my first introduction to hip-hop was probably, like, watching much music and seeing specifically Tribe Called Quest, um, specifically the Five Dogs Bugging Out little snippet. 
as soon as I watched that, that blew my mind. And from there, I just started just kind of digging and digging and digging, whether it was Wu-Tang, Big Al, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I had the same experience. Do you feel like, is there a gap because of much music not being the force that it once was? Because it used to be a thing where all of us, of my generation, we were all watching much. They'd play the same videos over and over again. Really, uh, do you miss that? Like, was that a, th- obviously that was a source of information for you? Um, I mean, like, I don't personally miss it because it, it served its purpose. Yeah. And I feel like now in the contemporary age that we're in now, um, music is, w- we could choose whatever we want and whatever we like right away and stream it and put it in our phones right that instant. Before, with much, there was like, as much as it was great to discover all these different things, um, now everybody's kind of a curator. So we're always, it's not what's kind of thrown at us or being shown at us. We could kind of dig and find it ourselves and decide whether we want to digest it or not. So right. I, think, I think we've kind of evolved from that stage. Right. All right, cool. All right, how about a hand for Jess John? This is our, this is our amazing panel. Uh, I want to go to DTS for a second. Because That's good. you have been uh, immersed in hip-hop the longest, it sounds like, of anyone here. You've heard a few people talk about how they first engage, engage with the culture. Do you have a sense? I mean, how, how do you relate to that? How do you relate to how we're all engaging with hip-hop culture now compared to the way you initially did? I think it's just really evolution of uh, technology and also... I came up at a time where you were just not a DJ. You had to be a sound man. So to be a part of hip hop, you had to be a part of a crew. And the crew was, if you're doing music, you had to carry speakers, you had to buy records, you had to hook up the whole sound yourself, right? And if you weren't a DJ what had all this equipment, there's no way you were gonna be playing in a dance right. at all. So right now, I feel that we're at that stage where you could get what you want when you want. But sometimes it's, it's a little bit all over the place. Like hip hop is like the wild, wild west once again. Because at first, there was underground, right? And now there's what they classify as rap. It's just really a part of hip hop. But that's only at the forefront right now. So it's like making the culture kind of fade away. So the B-boys and the B-girls, they're doing their own things. The DJs come along, the turntable is. So it's like everybody's fighting for this one shine right now. Meanwhile, we shine under one umbrella at that time. Now, you mentioned that you you were first exposed to hip-hop via an American news show, 60 Minutes. You're in Toronto. When do you start to see that culture start to expand into, into where you're living? It was always there. It was just not hip-hop. It was reggae. It was a different... Uh, but it, you, you see it as an extension of reggae? Well, hip-hop comes from yeah. reggae. Yeah. Right? The whole culture and the whole sound system aspect of it. Speaking on the mic, they call it toasting. That was just talking up before the actual lyrics of the song came in. Right. When they did it in New York, they just extended it. Cool Herc brought the same thing. We brought our sound system outdoors, and they just extended the beat, and somebody had a story to tell, and it just kept on going. So it's 
it's always been around. It's just that it's not at the forefront. When, when you don't get played on radio and you don't see people who actually look like you um, get played on radio or anything like that, then it's always been wait till somebody tells you it's, it's okay. So this forefront, is that's interesting. When did you start to see it permeate radio? When did you start to see hip-hop in, in Canada start to emerge? Like we all talked about much. We've all talked about different ways we were exposed to hip-hop. And there were some Canadian outlets, right? I mean, did you have particular, besides much, was there anywhere else you would turn to? I think somebody mentioned Flow. Not Flo. in my younger days, but Pound, Pound Magazine. Um, Pound and then Urbanology, which was way later, but. Yeah, there were a couple of outlets. Right. Here and there. Here and there, right. And so I'm just curious, because you. I, I, I feel like as far as it goes, there's always been mixtapes and there always been sound crews and then when so sound crews went ghost then it was really the underground radio station so CKLN Ron Nelson the Fantastic Voyage what really started the hip-hop movement in Toronto as far as radio is concerned that was the only place you could actually go and hear music what you never heard before ever on right. the radio. On the radio. Right. Like Karis One, The Bridges Over got played in Toronto before it got played in New York. And it got played on Ron Nelson's show. Right. right. So as far as Toronto is concerned, we always been on the cutting edge. You had to come to Toronto to actually get your reputation going. Like yeah. you did the New York, you did the Boston, but it's not until you came to Toronto you were international. Okay, well, this, 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 that's, a, that's a striking point, and it actually makes me think it might be worthwhile talking to each of you, much the same way we did the introduction, to actually talk about your memory or your sense of engaging with hip-hop in Toronto. Because for a long time, I, I know that I, I don't live in Toronto. I live outside of Toronto. Venues can be an issue. You know, finding a place that, where you can stage shows, figuring out a way to get people to come to shows, as much, it could be anyone. You could have the biggest name, and it's just for some reason in a smaller market, it's hard. So why don't we go around and talk about our engagement with uh, uh, hip-hop music in Toronto and, and when you started to see it change. And James, I want to go to you next because you've been covering hip-hop for a long time, uh, by exclaim. Um, can you talk about, uh, in some ways, the evolution of coverage of this genre in, in terms of when you started the magazine and where you're at now? I mean, the, as the magazine started in 92 um, and was really a very Toronto-centric zine in the first two or three years, but, um, and that was before I was at the magazine, but even then there were uh, early features on you know, the, tr the Toronto hip-hop scene in the first and second year of Exclaim. And so it's certainly, and you know, it's something that we've continued to cover um, you know, since. And... But the thing that strikes me and the thing that, uh, so Exclaim just celebrated our 25th anniversary last year. Uh, I spent uh, a good chunk of the year writing and researching kind of historical pieces about the arc of the magazine. And one of the things that struck me throughout the history of the magazine was that uh, almost all of our Canadian hip hop stories were about artistic potential and industry struggle. Oh. It's, it's the, the common theme that runs throughout where lack of radio support, lack of industry support, lack of label support, um, you know, and just a, a, a lack of cohesion. So there, were, there have been flashpoints, I think, for, uh, and I think back to um, 
to the Rap Essentials Volume 1 uh, compilation that came out on a, a major affiliated indie label called Beat Factory in 96, I want to say, 97. Uh, and it was, you know, Cardi and, and Socrates, and it was going to be it was going to be the breakthrough moment. Uh, Northern Touch happens a little bit after that. And then and it's going to be, you know, this is the brush fire that's going to start the the whole thing. And it's then like a big moment. And then it, it fails for the exact same reason that it's failed on on the shores of a lack of interest in this country often uh, by the, the purse string people. So it was frustrating to me looking back and seeing this is the same story over and over and over and over and over again, uh, regardless of the the obvious talent present. So there's some, there was something wrong with... Canada is very white. There's a lot of white people here. Not many, but there's a lot. And I mean, is that the subtext of what you're saying? A little bit? Do you uh, feel like it wasn't embraced? In, in part, for sure. And uh, especially, I think, on the industry side and especially with a lack of understanding of, of what the opportunities were because of who uh, the decision makers are in those contexts. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so there would occasionally be a, a figure or two who would emerge and swim upstream and fight the good fight as best they could. Yeah. And I, I sort of liken it to being a basketball fan in this country where, I mean, it's the biggest, it's the biggest growing sport in the world. It's one of the most popular sports in the world. And you go to any bar outside of Toronto and ask if there's a Raptors game on and you will get crickets and uh, glares from hockey fans. Or they'll be just it's, showing crickets. Or also potentially. <laughs> it's just shot? one of those no, things no. where okay. it's, it's foundationally an uphill battle yeah. in this country against the assumed uh, cultural bedrock that we're building from. I want to follow up on that with some of the people who can on the panel, but I, first, because you mentioned artistic struggle and infrastructure struggle, Jay Wise and Just John, I want to actually ask you about your perspectives on this. Uh, as artists making hip-hop in this country, do you feel like you have a disadvantage compared to other artists? I think I know the answer to this, but I wonder, Just John, what's, what's been your experience trying to establish yourself as a hip-hop artist in Canada and Toronto? I, I'm, just, I'm just starting to get my feet into the door, you know what I mean? And I feel like also there's more, there is more of an infrastructure set up from in Toronto than there was maybe two, three years ago, just because there have been a lot of trailblazers that have opened the doors for us, um, whether it be Drake or, you know, whatever you may, whatever you may see, um, artists who are, but now we're seeing now in this age, we're seeing things that are starting to, it's, it's kind of exciting where the culture is going, whether you see, you know, um, pioneers like Sean Leon doing it totally DIY, or you see a duo, um, duos starting to, starting to come together, or groups even coming together in hip-hop, where we've never really seen a lot of that in Toronto hip-hop culture for a while now. So I think that's super, super exciting. Um, but in terms of the infrastructure, I think there needs to be more money put into um, supporting hip-hop artists and rappers especially just because now hip-hop is literally the, the 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 most popular genre it could be compared to a to to pop 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now, so I think... With that being said, there needs to be more of an economical um, background support in that to continue to push the culture because the talent's here and it's always been here. Nice, nice. <laughs> Wise, do you want to talk about your own experiences? Well, it's a wide range, right? Because, I mean, you know, it's been a lot of years. So I've seen things change. One thing you have to remember with Toronto in terms of, like, record labels, okay, is that... Canada doesn't really have record labels, and Canada doesn't have record labels for hip-hop. So what you have here is satellites. So, you know, you have Universal Canada. You know what I mean? You have Virgin Canada. You have all of these satellite companies. So their job is really to sell the product that they're getting from other places, mm-hmm. right? So. If um, I want to pick an artist, let's say a Cardi B project, right? That's, that's what their job is to sell. So if you are an artist here and you're doing your thing and you're trying to connect to a label, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird proposition because they're not really looking for you per se. Their job is to sell product that comes from other places. It's not to find you. Hmm. So from the label perspective, that hasn't really changed much over the years. What's changed is how much you need a label. Sure, that's right. Because now we're in the independent age where you can do more without a label for yourself to make a name for yourself. But I mean, as far as like Toronto artists, hip hop wise, flooding the market, not really that much has changed. Yeah. I mean, there's Drake, right? But um, as far as Toronto hip-hop, there's not really that much going out there. Toronto R&B, Canadian R&B, has always sold around the world and always sold well. That's never been an issue of selling Canadian R&B. Right. We've had big worldwide Canadian R&B stars to the point where you, don't, you forget that they're Canadian. So as far as Canadian hip-hop, I don't really see... Personally, a huge change. There has been some change. You know, the OVO movement is a big movement, and it's strong, and they can really push people through the gate. But, I mean, how many people can one label really be responsible for pushing through as far as the culture, as far as the scene, right? Because we're talking about hip-hop, but really what we're talking about is rap. That's what we've been up here talking about for the most part. 
not the hip hop culture, but rap. Yeah. And how we've interacted with rap music. So if you want to talk about rap music and, and selling Canadian or Toronto based rap music, not that much has changed. Are you, are you, you're making a distinction between rap and hip hop because of rap's pop aspect? Is that what you mean? I'm making this distinction. It's like making a distinction between an arm and a person. Right. Right? Rap is a part of hip hop. Right. Rap is not hip hop. So right. I have to make the distinction because we're, you know what I mean? Rap is a part of hip hop, but b-boying is a part of hip hop. We're not talking about dancing. Right. Mm, okay. DJing is a part of hip hop. Graffiti, we're not talking about artists and graph writers. We're talking about rap. That's true. So if, you know what I mean? If we're talking about how rap music from Toronto is sold, not really that much has changed. Does anyone else want to speak to the, the Drake effect, so to speak, like uh, the OBO effect in, in terms of what Jay Wise is saying? Do you, do you, because I know like Toronto's under, Toronto's experienced a few different musical explosions where scenes come up, uh, uh, whether it's an indie rock scene or a punk scene, uh, and gains worldwide attention. Do you think the talent pool in Toronto is, has actually been enhanced by what's going on with OVO and Drake, Aaron? I don't think the talent pool has been enhanced because as John said, it's always been there. I think the light has shined on Toronto a lot more because of Drake. And when it yep. comes to the media, when it comes to the money that is being funded into the hip-hop community, that's because Drake is selling numbers. Yeah. And he's showing that this is a viable product for the city. Um, you know, I, I read somewhere that his OVO Fest brings in upwards of 12 million tourism dollars every year. So that's something that the city looks at and it's like, that's something we want to grab onto. Mm -hmm. Whether they do it properly, no. You know, whether it makes it easier for rappers to book venues in the city, especially if they're brown or black, absolutely not. But it does put the light on the city in terms of media, in terms of, you know, these big corporations from the states or worldwide who's now looking at us like, you know, maybe they have something. But that's, that's about it, though. It's not like the talent has changed. So you feel like we have something here? We, ha we totally have something here. And what's the next step to get that something out there, per se? Like, you, you alluded to some infrastructure things that could happen. Mm -hmm. And Tia, you can chime in here, too. I'm just curious what you think. I'm, I'm just curious about this. I mean, we're in a position where, say, you know, if I want to book a show, I've worked with Manifesto, the, the you know, music festival, for many years. And there came a point where we were trying to book somebody who was from, um, God, he was from, completely forget where he was from, but uh, we tried to book his show and they asked us to do a criminal background check for him. So, you know, when you have things like that still happening, it's not making things easier. But do you, we have a tendency in our country to wait till other countries embrace our people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, did that happen with Drake? I can't remember anymore. Sure did. It did, right? 100% did. He was all doing the time. It happens all the time. Is that getting any better? No. No. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I disagree with that. Yeah. Because it's not getting better in terms of like the mainstream culture, but in terms of the young bucks, they listen to Toronto hip-hop. Right. When you go around to all the young cats, they listen to the cats from their area. Mm -hmm. They listen to the cats from their turf. That's, and so you got all of these young cats in hoods across Toronto that have followings in their hood. There's not too many of them that are getting, like, I mean, Presser right now, I think, is, is the main one who's getting a lot of love in different hoods, but even that's very political, and, and you know what I mean? 
it's, there's a lot of uh, 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 you know street politics behind that and who people like and who they don't like where. Yeah. But um, the young cats, in a way that I hadn't seen before, Toronto, young Toronto, who are into hip hop, who are active participants of hip hop culture, and what I mean by that is they go to all the jams, they go to the open mics, they, you know what I mean? They're participating. They're not just sitting they're at their computer listening. Yeah. They're actually out and active in the community, out doing things. All of those cats have always listened to Toronto hip-hop. But youth in general, Toronto youth, have always turned up their nose at Canadian hip-hop. And now I don't see that the way it was before. I see the young cats, they're listening, they love their own music, they really do. Yeah, you're young. Facts. Does that reflect your experience and what you were seeing out there? Um, I agree to an extent. I think that if, if we're gonna just speak about Toronto, and that's probably where I'm most comfortable talking about it, we, we, I say we as like a culture, as like a family, as like the same people who pull up to the shows all the time, the people who are gonna buy the merch, the people who, who you can like DM like, hey, can you retweet this for me? Like we support <coughs> the music that comes out of here for sure. Um, and that's like a fan aspect and people who just care. When I'm looking at the Canadian music industry on like, a, a broad like scope we're lazy you know what? I'm not gonna say we I'm not lazy everyone else is lazy as hell and I say La that lazy how because it's like when you suggest something to someone it's like hey why aren't you guys programming rap acts or why aren't you guys playing this rapper on the radio or why aren't you putting this rapper or this this artist period in a venue and it's just like oh like um, uh, like you don't get an answer. You never get an answer. And the thing that we need to remember here is like hip hop is like, it, it's, <laughs> it's black culture. And we all know black culture sells. And when black culture starts infiltrating a white space and it makes it like, it, it makes it seem like we're pushing the old heads out or the executives out or whatever, the, everyone gets scared. and by everyone I mean like the people in those spaces and they link arms and then they just block shit out yeah. and like to watch that happen I've seen it especially in the last year I've like watched that happen and it's so terrifying because it's like when are you ever gonna gonna let um, just someone just have a space like everybody wants this respect and everybody wants to be praised and everybody wants to be looked up to or whatever the case may be but it's like what are you doing for any of us to look up to you and like praise you and, and say thank you you're shutting everybody out of out of this like out of this space that's really for everyone and and the bottom line is rap music hip hop is like everyone else here is echoed it sells mm -hmm. so i don't understand why you're going to shut something out that is going to you know make your space your company your organization bigger and better there's so many labels right now that are tanking and why are they tanking because you're offering that rapper half of what he's worth to put him on stage in Toronto, in Vancouver, in Montreal, you might give him a couple of your updates and then you're gonna shelf him. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I look at, at flow and what it used to be when I was growing up versus what it is now, yeah, they're reprogramming, but we're rinsing the shit out of Post Malone. I don't wanna hear that song anymore. <laughs> you know who I wanna hear on the radio? I wanna hear Sean Leon. Yes. I wanna hear Jazz Cartier. I'm so happy 88 Glam is on the radio, but would they be on the radio if not for Nav and like XO and all that stuff? Like why aren't you just paying attention to the artists that are like actually popping here and you know who they are. 
you're just not gonna put them on because they're gonna flip the table for you and you're actually gonna have to work. It's very well put. Very well put. Okay, let's hold our thoughts. We have to take a quick commercial break and when we come back, uh, and we're running out of time, this, this flew by. So we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back with a little bit more from our panel. Thanks for being here. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for being here at Long Night. back We're back on long night we don't have a lot of time left uh, I want to thank you all again for being here on the show I thought it might be uh, uh, just to, to end this thing is for each of us to talk about what they'd like to see change in this country maybe in this in this city specifically a few people have uh, mentioned a few things they'd like to see uh, improve and uh, I'd like to hear from everyone on the panel kind of open call like does anyone want to talk about uh, at least one thing that they think that they'd like to see improve uh, for hip-hop in, in Toronto. Go ahead, just John. I think what i like to see improve in hip-hop in Toronto is that the city and the systems in place that can push the culture just stop being so hesitant and really be the trendsetters that this culture deserves because to, they're in Toronto, there's... we, The Toronto artists are literally the influencers and the tastemakers of the global network in the industry. Like, literally, we have the sauce, we have the sauce, we have the sauce. And in every aspect, from whether it's the, the, where the money is going or the venue spaces, there needs to be more of a acknowledgement and understanding and trust in hip-hop culture. Um, we are being shelved and, and, and we are starving and we are being deterred from opportunities because of systems put in place that were set out 40 years ago that are out, out of date and out of shape. Um, policies that, uh, whether it's noise regulations, like noise complaints, or spaces, or people not booking certain acts because they're hip hop artists, um, it's, it's, it's used in a way that is a guise. It's used in a way that, that's used to eradicate culture and stop us from getting to the places we need to be fast enough. So in my opinion, those things need to stop. Okay. I think the last, you know, 20, 2017, 2016 kind of taught every creative in hip hop culture that if you're not gonna do it yourself, it's not gonna get done, especially in this city. So I think, you know, moving forward, we need to push that do it yourself culture. We need to just forget about all the gatekeepers, everybody who keeps telling us no, or like, you can't do this because this regulation is there, or you can't do this because that person doesn't approve. Forget it. We're here, we're some of the best, you know, creatives in literally the industry, as John said we have to push through and kind of own it. And you know that's the only way that we're gonna keep surviving and keep creating. So that's the one thing. It's not something that needs to change, but it's something that needs to you know, continue. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Tia, do you have something? I know you just said something amazing, but do you have more amazing in you? Um, I have two things. My first thing is I'm gonna need everyone to stop calling or dropping this umbrella term urban what the hell is an urban vibe and why are labels dropping playlists called urban vibe that is a subtweet whatever 
Um, my s the second thing for me is I just want to be able to walk into a space that uh, is, I guess, laid out for music, whether that be a label, whatever organization. One, seeing people like me, and two, talking to people who know what they're talking about. I'm, I don't want to talk to people about rap music who don't listen to rap music. I don't want to talk to people about rap music who, um, who just listen to, I don't want to like throw shade at any artist, but just listen to like, um, like the basics and like the top 40. I don't, wanna, I, don't want, I don't want any more of that. Start hiring people who know what they're talking about. If you don't want to hire them, let's collab fam, let's build. <laughs> you, can, you can work with freelancers, pay them. Just work with people who know what they are talking about. And if you want to grow, help other people grow too. That's it. Thank you, Tia. Tia. I feel like the, the, the two things you've said uh, tonight, the most recent, the, the thing before the break and just now, I feel like you're talking to someone specific, but we don't know who it is exactly. Like, it feels like a conversation. Do you see the giant chip on my shoulder? I, I do, but like, it does feel like you're directing it at some nebulous entity, but at the same time, I can almost see the person. Like, it's so vivid to me. Are you talking about someone or some <laughs> specific entity that you're wow, frustrated I'm with? Wow, I'm talking about the labels. I'm talking about the organizations. My boss is in the audience. I don't want to get fired. Um, I'm talking about Hi. organizations that fund artists. I'm talking about venue spaces. I'm talking about, um, you know, people who, who will say things like, you know, we need to work together. And, but I've sent you like 17 emails over the last like six years and you have not responded to a single one of them, but I bet you the second I'm doing something, you're gonna hail me up. And like, no, that's not happening. So you can go sit down yeah. and pay for your ticket. So <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'm hearing here so far, and maybe we'll get to it over here, is uh, a heavy dose of frustration and love for the city. Is that right? Like it's both. Massive love for the city. Massive so, love. So much Massive love. frustration you, with, you, the, you with the system. <laughs> yeah. You see it as having all this potential. It's not hopeless. There's potential. It's just not being, you know, fulfilled. It's, it's, it's just not merging properly. And I don't know why it's not merging. Well, it's I know It's not why. being appreciated properly. That's it. Also, come through, sis. That's really what it is. Um, that seems to be the subtext of a lot of what we've been talking about is the racism, which uh, is... A, Huge topic, and uh, but obviously it's present here. Yeah. When you say when we're being held back and the powers that be, I mean, I think we're talking about racism, and I alluded to it earlier. But it's between racism and it's between very old gatekeepers. Yeah. yeah. It's between the two of those. Right. Okay. Thank you. This couch. We're gonna move on to this couch <laughs> and see where we go. Uh, same questions. Uh, Jay Wise, do you, is there something you'd like to see improve in the city, which we all agree we love, over here. <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess I got a kind of pie in the sky one and, and uh, a more realistic one. So my pie in the sky one is, is kind of that uh, people will accept that the country can learn to accept the black people that come with the black culture. And, um, and when I say that, I mean like, instead of trying to squeeze the people into a format that is easily recognizable, just let the format be what it is. And if you, if, if you mess with it, like if you fuck with it like that, then go and fuck with it and learn about it as it is instead of trying to make it into something. Like we've talked about flow a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I worked at flow for the first 10 years. I was on here. 
and I did the night show. And before that, this man who's my OG put me on the radio at 89.5, the Master Plan Show, which is how I got the gig at Flow. So one thing I learned very quickly was that the city was receptive to the music, but they didn't really want to hear from and about the people that were living the music. They would rather have heard it from somebody and in a format that sounded like more what they were used to. Right. That's something I learned very quick. Right. I learned it in the form of crazy emails and phone calls. And anybody that worked there in the early days could tell you the same story. Right. Some of the most crazy, hateful shit that you would see. And you're just talking on a radio. You're not, we're not talking about politics. We're just playing music and talking between the songs. So that would be my pie in the sky. But on, on a more, um, you know, do-it-yourself street level, what I'd like to see is a return to the kind of attitude that hip-hop used to have and dancehall has maintained, which is, if the clubs don't want you, you book the banquet hall. You book the Latvian. Remember partying in the Ukrainian center? Yo, yeah. any type of European center that they had, we partied in. We partied in banquet halls. We went where they took our money. We didn't, we didn't beg to be in spaces where they were going to take our money and then act like we couldn't do anything. But you're saying that's changed or the attitude towards that sort of? The attitude, because with progress comes a buy-in to that stuff. Like, with having a commercial radio station, all of a sudden now, you're doing live to ears in all the clubs downtown that hip-hop could never get into. Right. Now, all of a sudden, hip-hop DJs are playing all of those clubs. Right. Right? On the regular. But that comes with a certain type of mentality, a certain type of rules. And then what happens is, you get into the downtown clubs, and then cats start forgetting about the banquet halls and start to feel like, yo, if we're going to party, we have to party here. If we're going to do this, we got to do this here. And so... Along with the mainstream acceptance, you kind of lose some of the do-it-yourself right. attitude. It happens in every kind of movement ever, right? That's just part of the trade-off. But I would love to see a return of the, on, on a community's behalf, a return to more of that type of attitude. Dancehall has maintained it because they have not gotten the mainstream acceptance. Mm -hmm. What's happening to dancehall is what used to happen to hip-hop is they're just stealing it and calling it something else, right? right? So instead of, they would rather hear Justin Bieber sing it then Vibes Cartel DJ it. You know what I'm saying? And that's no knock on the kid Justin Bieber because I think that kid is super talented. But at the same time, you got lots of kids doing what he's doing, but they don't call it Tropical House and they don't play it <laughs> everywhere on the radio, right? So yeah. all I'm saying is I would love to see us as a culture return to that mentality. All right. That's very well put. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> DTS, what do you have to say? I'm old as dirt. So I'm gonna tell you, it's there. So much things has happened over a period of time. I run the longest hip hop show in Canada, the second longest in North America. And I could say, the, the very first thing everybody always should remember, the only one thing there is subject to change, right? So what does your change look like? I feel that the majority of times that um, people don't really kind of take it in, how important knowing the system because you don't manage people you manage a procedure so if you know the procedures what's been put in place to break down some of these barriers you just got to actually work around it so 
many hands make work light, and I find that Generation Next, what we started with DJ Romeo, AKA Matthew Romeo, Google him, because this dude used to be homeless, and also he's not from the city originally, but we find that a lot of times the older cats in the city stifle the younger people without giving them full support, right? And I find that in the infrastructure now, it's like they look outside to come back inside. I'm gonna share something with you. I won a Just Those Mixtape Award with this gentleman and DJ Power, the same year as DJ Khaled. What's the difference? DJ Khaled is living in Miami. We're sitting here talking to you cats, <laughs> right? We're, we're, no, no, no offense intended, no, by the way. No, but this is, this is how we're talking about infrastructure, right? Yeah. At one point when he was talking about the record labels, when hip hop was coming in, they got slip mats down at the, down at the record labels. They thought they were plate warmers. <laughs> I shit you not. So when it really comes down to it, this is what we're working with. So many hands work, make work light, and I'm going to tell you, just be real. Support comes from pain. Don't see your people doing hard work, and it's just like, yo, I'm coming through tonight, man. Make sure I'm on the list. Eat it. All right, you know what I'm saying. Plain and simple, support comes from actually supporting somebody, knowing what they're doing, and actually willing to put money behind it by saying, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. I'm gonna be present, and I'm gonna go in my pocket. Because if everybody shows up here, and we put on a great show, and there's no money for the infrastructure, guess what? We'll never be back in this spot. So everybody's going to constantly look that there's spots here, but at the same time, how much people are willing to come out and support, right? So I have a spot upstairs, and it's, we call it everything up. Because at one point in hip-hop, not rap, hip-hop, if you weren't on a flyer, if you weren't performing some, someplace, you were absolutely nobody. So right now, because you have the internet, you pop up, you have your video, you have all of this, and you wonder why you only got like 20 views on YouTube. Nobody knows who you are. So use your community and use the people around you to get the word out a little bit more. And I think that's all my venting for the day. Thank you. Nice. Well put. Can you plug your radio show just so people can hear it? Uh, we're on 89.5 CIUT from Saturday from 8 to 10, the longest and the strongest. New Breed MC, DTS. We got Kappa Mezu and Phil the Thrill. And just so you know, this radio station has been going because you know what? It's for the community, by the community, all the time, not sometimes. And guess what? We, not all the time we sound good. But the one thing we are do, we always make sure we're consistent and we're putting in the love because we don't get paid for this at all. So when we're saying hit the donate button, it's really about getting some good signals or sometimes I go down, I bring my own mixer. So you guys don't really know what's we're doing in the city to make sure you guys hear hip-hop constantly. And when I say hip-hop, hey, if you could just pop it, and then tomorrow it's gone, it's not worth nothing. It takes a long time to dig for good music. And just because they're, they're 
put it right in front of your face and say, click on it, click on it, that doesn't make it good. All the glitter and all the shine, that doesn't mean nothing until you actually hear real MCs in a spot like this spit and you feel their soul. All right. Thank you, DTS. James, uh, same Fish. question. The only thing I wanted to ask you, and maybe I could ask Aaron as well, uh, if you can also somehow talk about any advice you have for emerging hip hop artists in terms of you know, press coverage, things like that. I'm just curious if you have, just because you've been doing this so long, you've been getting lots of, you know, people are often pitching you stuff. I just wonder how to break through. I, basically, I want to put that rap song I did earlier on the tape, <laughs> and I want it reviewed and exclaimed. That's, it's, this is for me. Uh, I'm going to defer to Aaron on this question. Only if you play it on 45. Okay, I can oh. do that. I can do oh, that. There you go. Um, I mean, because I'm so involved with the community, I'm very hands-on with everything, and I'm at every showcase, I kind of get a feel of who's coming up. But, I mean, I'm always open to pitches as long as it's, like, not in a zip file format. It's like an actual streaming thing with a good press release and all that stuff. But, um, you know, my email's on the website or it's Aaron at exclaim.ca. Uh, and I'm always open to listening to new stuff. I'm not always, you know, very quick with my responses, but I do check every email. So okay. Thank that's you. that. Thank you. No, thanks. Yeah. I just thought, you know, Canada's music magazine, I figured we might as well mention that. But James, do you, you have any... Uh, hopes and wishes and dreams for hip-hop? And I mean, rap? I do, but I think uh, listen to the people on this panel, listen to the people in your neighborhood, listen to the listen to the people that the people you like listen to. Like, you know, in terms of it, 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 it's hard to capture new fandom as an older person sometimes, and it's hard to remember that what you used to do was you found the first thing that you ever found that you loved and then you went, okay, I'm gonna try to find everything out I can about this one thing and then you went, oh, this person likes this thing, I'm gonna check that out, this person likes that thing, I'm gonna check that out and I think you can always do the same with music and especially new music. Uh, as you get older, it's harder to bring new things into your brain but it's never been easier. Or you easier. gravitate towards new things that sound like the old things you liked when you were a kid. <laughs> yes, but it's it's not hard it's never been easier yeah. to find new music and and you know find curators who are talking about the stuff that you love and they'll bring you on to other stuff that you will also probably love all right well i appreciate that how about a hand for this panel that's our show we're out of time i'd like to thank the gladstone the long winter crew all of you for being here if you'd like to uh, listen to my show it's called Creative Control. It's a podcast. It's on all the podcast platforms. I'd like to thank all my sponsors. Thank you very much. Stick around for more Long Winter. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bicycles. You want real hip-hop? Come upstairs. The hip-hop room, yo. Everything up. Big up Toronto Hip-Hop Cultural Center in the building. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.